Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. Thank you for speaking to us so sincerely. Thank you for approaching us with genuine concern. And your tears flow when you see ourselves distancing ourselves from the covering of your wings. Those who have decided that they will make their strength somewhere else, something else, instead of the shadow of the Most High. We pray, O oh God, that you would allow our hearts to be sensitive to receive your word as a good seed planted in our hearts that will assuredly give forth good fruit, a harvest which glorifies your name. There's this continual contention and fighting between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And it's only through your word that you cause us to see and to come in the direction of your goodness. Goodness causes us to repent and turn towards you. Give us your strength, fill us with your spirit, impart your truth to set us free that we might serve you with excellence because you are worthy of our total surrender and sacrifice because of what Christ did upon the cross. Teach us not to love the world or the things that are in the world. Vanity and passing. But those who do the will of God, those who embrace your call are the ones that will shine as stars in the firmament. Fruitfulness will be the manifestation of those that truly belong to you. Allow us to be conformed to the image of your Son. Transform us through your grace and that your word might be planted in our hearts that we not sin against you. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We welcome your word into our hearts and into our lives. It will be like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Bless your word and prosper it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, there's a distinction that Paul gives the church since we have huge promises. The delivery of everything God has for us as his people is a promise. A lot of people don't know the promises of God on one side and the remaining amount of people don't wait for his promises to be fulfilled. So they never see the glory of God. The Bible says through patience and faith, Abraham inherited the promises of God. So, hanging on when everybody else lets go and staying the course when everybody turns back is the secret of inheriting the promises of God. 
Last week, the Lord spoke to us distinctly, for those of you who recall and were here, that he wanted us to separate. And that separation becomes the first right of those called to be vessels of the Lord. Not vessels of dishonor, but vessels of honor. Separation. And he says there, since we have promises... Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Again, let us uh, purge, let us get rid of, let us separate ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh. If there was one, if you could point your finger to one thing that separates us from God, it's the flesh. It's, it's that, that humanness that we have on that we... A lot of us um, carry it as heavy, heavy baggage and doesn't allow us to ever be freed to run the race of God. Uh, we need to be lean and crucify the flesh. Make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's called martyrdom. That's called crucifying yourselves. Crucifying the members of your body that are upon the earth. Um, that's why a lot of people do not uh, come near to Christ. His message is a message that unless the kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it will reap no fruit. So the call to Jesus is to die to yourself. Die to your wants, to your feelings, to your thoughts. And... A lot of times people have told me as I preach the gospel, what, does God just not want me to have a good time? He doesn't want me to live? I said, no, God wants to kill you. God wants to destroy everything in you because it becomes a hindrance to you seeing the glory of God, to you seeing the plans God has for you. You can't fulfill your plans and see the glory of God. When you fulfill your plans, you're going to see the glory of, your shell, of yourself. And the Bible says that that is shameful. When what a man has in his heart is revealed, wow, it's ugly. But when God's heart is revealed in your life, it's glorious. It's worthy of praise and honor. And people will say, wow. Uh, going back to 2 Corinthians 7, 1, he says, since we have these promises, since God has a plan, since he wants to deliver it, then you separate yourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. Um, one day, my older brother, we found ourselves on our knees in the house of a great man of God, and we were praying all together, and the great man of God's wife was right next to him, and, and uh, my older brother says, Lord, help me uh, discipline my flesh, and all of a sudden, we heard somebody says, no, and I was like, no, the flesh must be crucified. It must die. And, and so he was like, okay, Lord, kill my flesh. Um, and that is truth. You cannot pet this thing and train it and keep it on the side of your life. It's never satisfied. It never allows you to go and do the things of God. So not only is it to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh, but also... Those things that perturb you in your spirit. 
allowing God's holiness to be perfected as you walk in reverence to God. So it's very concerning to me to have a church presuming to be the people of God, doing the work of God, and finally coming to the presence of God and Him saying, you were never on task. You never participated. You never were able to uh, reflect and manifest my glory. You never, you never received the promises I had for you. And so... Um, again, our perception in the flesh is a huge hindrance. Those of you that, that have taken your fleshly lenses and put them on and everything is represented by how you feel in the flesh, how you think in the flesh, what you perceive in the flesh. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. To be, to be thinking like worldly thought is death, but to think in the spirit is life in abundant measure. So this morning, I, I want you to know that, that while we enter in the celebration of Christmas and it's the holidays and, and we're the people of God and we, we say we're Christians, uh, until we come like a laser light. I, I told Kenny Luck when I met him, I said, look, there's one light that shines like, like the light that's here that makes things visible. But there's a light that shines which cuts through steel and it's called the laser beam. It's light that cuts. And I believe that God had called Christians to be is laser sharp to be able to to pierce the hearts of men to be able to speak listen to this ready he says speak my words as if i were speaking and anybody in the bible that we see that stood before the throne of god immediately fell like dead on the ground there was no argument there was no exchange fast in the presence of god we're Undone. Isaiah says, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Peter says, Lord, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. So the church in its inner, not, not the, the outward externals, but the inward substance of what the church is called to be is, is spirits that engage in a spirit world that make a big difference. You're sitting on TV, one, one, uh, one program, and the man called. He says, I've been, uh, I've been using marijuana for 20 years, and I couldn't stop. And after listening to your program, I've never smoked again. I've never, I've, I don't have a desire to go back. Something happened when, when I sat and listened to the words you spoke. When I was in your presence, people have done that. Um, uh, four years ago when Caracol came in on a lunch date, 17-year cocaine addiction, he got up and left and no more addiction. No withdrawals, no cold turkey, no cold sweats, no desire, just total deliverance. Because there's an impartation of the love of God, of His presence, of the essence 
of Jesus in us that needs to be real. And it's not the basis of doing something in human capacity. So we, we see that when we're, uh, when we're thinking, Kenny Luck was saying, there's nothing more pathetic than a Christian with a big heart and no spine. There's nothing more sad than a guy who says he's a Christian and has no substance. Has no reality behind his claims to be a Christian. Because first and foremost, a Christian is faithful to Jesus Christ. He'd rather die than not be faithful. And this is what God is calling the church to be. We, we could have a huge choir up here and, and sing a lot of Christmas hymns. And have people in adultery, lying, cheating, walking, doing all sorts and manner of stuff. And they're just like everybody outside. They're not light in this world. They're darkness. They have an appearance of godliness. But they have no substance. And so this morning, my concern is for you to know um, in these in this time and season, I really, I understand that the world celebrates or doesn't celebrate or does whatever. But I believe that the church needs to be who they say they need to be and, and who Christ has made them. And for us to have that understanding. So when I see um, Psalm 73, verse 1, again, God shows up. God shows up for those whose heart is true. Uh, the, you know, the expression of what you say is what you do. Who you say is what you are. And you're, there's no disparity in that regards. Uh, super sad for people that, that say, well, this is the Christian holiday. And so they're going to go get a Christmas tree, Christmas Christ. They're going to go get Christmas songs. They're going to, they're going to go ahead and... But, but they're not carrying the substantive weight of who God has called them to be in this world. So here, um, David, who is a man after God's own heart, his expression in Psalm 73 was, I realize that God is going to show up for those that are real, those who are true, those who are passionate about God. But as for me, now he's going to talk about his... Walking in the flesh, verse 2, but as for me, my feet almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. I was walking in a manner that was not consistent, that was not solid, that was not genuine. While I called myself a man of God, I envied and saw the world and their prosperity and didn't understand the nexus between one and the other. Verse 3. I almost slipped when I, uh, when I was envious of the boastful, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, when I saw, a, you know, the world doesn't find God but is living the high life and I'm looking for God and this is a waste of my time and I should be engaged out there. And this is, um, I, talked to, I talked to one of the wealthiest men in Arkansas on this last trip to Little Rock and he was talking about what the essence of the Christian life is. And, and this, is, this is it. This, this is what, what David is saying and, and feeling right there is, is just that scenario. Look at, look at the things. I'm serving the Lord. I'm carrying this 
this reality, this conscience of God. I'm his servant. I'm his representation. I'm, I'm his man. And then I feel bad because look at these guys, how they're getting along. And that, that whole thing produces a double-mindedness about me. I'm, I'm, where, where do I go? I was sharing on Thursday that, that when I came, uh, I think it was last Sunday even, the second service, I was sharing that when I became a lawyer, I saw all my friends take off to, to pursue worldly goals. And I was like, Lord, where do I? And he says, you're going this way. I said, yeah, but, you know, I'm a lawyer and all these guys are running and you're, and he goes, listen, for me, one soul is more precious than all the riches upon the earth. And I've called you to save souls. I've called you to Win men, not to make money and to be known in this world in its glory. And, and to say that to a young man is, is super, super hard. But we have deceived our sons. We have deceived our children. You're going to see here, um, I was talking to this man in Little Rock, Arkansas, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. This is what he says. He says, this is the dilemma I find myself in as a Christian. You... O man of God, flee these things. Flee what? Flee the pursuit of earthly gain. Quit, quit making that your measure. I want you to be a prince for my glory, in my kingdom. And this is going to require character, obedience. This is not what you... you so he says, flee these things and... So flee on one side, leave the world and leave the passions and leave the earthly goals and pursue righteousness. Leave this and go for that. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, patience and, and on top of that, be gentle. And that's where I, I can't get that. I need, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. I want to be an intense man of God and to be as loving and gentle as Christ. That's my pursuit. The embodiment of who Christ is upon the earth is us. But if we're thinking in a carnal, selfish, personal mindset without the priorities of the kingdom, this world will never see the church of Jesus Christ will never see a man or a woman of God. Will never see a family who loves God above all things. And so this, go back please. Don't take the verses off until I tell you. You're doing good. That was the gentleness part. <laughs> Verse 12. Fight the good fight. That's what it is. To flee the world and to pursue the things of God. And what, what's, what's the fight? It's hard. It's difficult. We want to pursue the things of the world and we want to flee the obligations and responsibility of our charge as men and women of God. We're totally unfit to be entrusted with the glories of His kingdom. So the fight is just that. Go back to 11. Flee these things and pursue righteousness. And so what we're talking about here is to change the course of thought and to come back to make God 
and, and his kingdom a priority in our life. I'm going to tell you like this. We're not upon this earth to do anything else but the Lord's bidding. The Lord's work. Oh, I know that you're going to, there are opportunities. There are opportunities left and right in every expression. But the forthright call of God to his people is to represent his business, his kingdom. A person comes into your, uh, into your shop and comes into your business. I'm not talking about forsaking your business and forsaking your work. But your priority is, Lord, how can I reach this man? How could I touch his heart? How could I bless him? How could I lead him in the ways of the Lord? How could you use me to be you in his life? How could I do that? And so this is where, uh, going back to Psalm 73, this fight of fleeing these things, the, the love of money, the pride of life, and pursuing righteousness. He says, my feet almost stumbled as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 3, Psalm 73, 3. Verse 4, for there are no sufferings. In their death, they're not, they're not putting their lives. They're not sacrificing, but their strength is firm. They're solid in what they're doing. And then verse 17, he says, until I went to the sanctuary of God. And I want to tell you with this, that this is the place God is ministering to your spirit. God has no desire to tickle you in the flesh, to make you feel good in your mediocrity and conformity. This is where God is going to speak to us, and we're going to understand. He says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. He says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, and the Spirit of God began to put me aright, I began to understand what priorities are and what situations are. So before that time, verse 22, he says, all I was, before I understood, I was foolish and ignorant like a total ox a, a, a dumb animal before you when, when the Bible talks about us being like a beast about, there, there's no spirit of God in the beast God has not given that faculty to animals so there in Job 32 verse 8 he says there is within a man a spirit that gives him understanding it's the breath of God There is a spirit in man that's the breath of God, and this spirit inside of us allows us to understand him. It gives us understanding. So wait a second. I'm not to be a beast. I'm not, the Bible says the man in the last days will be like brute beast. They have no spirit. What, what makes us authentic in, in our in our world and in our life is that there's a spirit in us and God's ministering, giving life to that spirit, allowing us to not be, you, you guys know the, the bull in the, in the stadium, right? You just take that little red, 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 the red rag and he follows it to his death. And a lot of us are like that. We're just, we're just going crazy after things that have no substance and no promise and no return. So the devil just pulls it out and you're... When you have the Spirit of God, you can choose what is excellent and you can pursue it. You can, you can tell the devil, devil, I know there's an opportunity. I know there's a door, but there's a high call. And Paul says, I consider everything trash to the excellence of knowing God. 
And what is he pursuing? Uh, Philippians 3.9. Because he's a spiritual man, because he's listening to words in the spirit, because he's choosing excellence. He says, and to be found in him, not in my own strength, my own righteousness, but that which is from, that is from the law, but a righteousness that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is in um, which is from God by faith. At the end of this, I want to deliver to God what he wants delivered. How many say amen? amen. I don't want to come in and present something to God and say, hey, and he's like, hmm. And that's not, don't cheapen my grace. Don't, don't deliver what I haven't asked for. My, my, my son died on the cross. For you to be able to present yourself as a living sacrifice. For you to be able to, and so this is where the power of the gospel lies in, in Romans 1.16. I'm not going to back down. This, this word, uh, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to deliver something that is not the real thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's working in me a power from God to salvation for every man who believes first the Jews and the Greek, it's producing in us something. Why is it producing in us something? Verse 17. For it's in the righteousness of God that, that, that birthed out of a, a walk of faithfulness. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's, it's, it's having poured into us a reality that's causing to come out of us an expression for the benefit of this world. That they might observe the fruits of those who walk. And then it says, these people, the just shall live by faith. And that faith, the righteousness revealed. 1 Peter 2.5, he says... This is not something man concocted. This is not something that men have gathered together in a carnal mindset. It's not for the benefit of man. But you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Things that are pleasing to the Lord. Are the things that we're offering up. It's, it's a righteousness. It's a flow. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. And this is that as the church, we, and, and you can look around just from Nick here, Joseph, and every person that occupies a seat in the house of God are living spirits being made perfect. This is what's going on. We might have a few stragglers in here that need to be born again and rise up in their spiritual life and start nourishing their spirit and drawing close to God. But the reality is the church is, is a place full of the spirits of men. Those having the understanding. Listen, there's no hope for anyone in the world other than there being a man or woman of God with his spirit receiving his truth that manifests what God wants. Because the world surely is not doing that. The world is, is going... Some people, they, they have a problem with this. They're like, I don't understand that when you say that, that there's a spirit and it leads me and it gives me the goosebumps because Halloween really scares me. It's spiritual. Uh. And I said, well, look, you have a spirit of lust. And it causes you to be a floozy. 
And it causes you to pursue and seduce and to do things that that spirit is leading you in. So just like that spirit is on you or a spirit of alcoholism, it enslaves you to, to go to alcohol. A spirit of pornography, because it enslaves you to be watching lewd and perverse stuff. So the spirits are all engaged, and you'll see them all around. A spirit of gossip, a, a spirit of, of uh, credit card use at the malls, vanity, the, the acquiring of, of, of things that are vain. You know, it, it just moves you like that. And so you're not moved by the Spirit of God to manifest the things of God. That's what God desires for His church. And so we see that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Those of you who have come here this morning have come near. You have not come near to a, a physical location out in the desert, Mount Zion, like the people in the Old Testament. But you've come near to the city of the living God, to the gathering of His people the heavenly Jerusalem, uh, to where an innumerable company of angels abide, because this ministry is a partnership with angels, verse 23, to the gathering, a general assembly and church of the firstborn that are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. God Bringing the, the, the spirit of men and perfecting them so that we're drawing closer to this. I'm not, Paul says, I'm not done yet. I continue to go forward. You're not done yet. You started, but you're going to closer to the things of the spirit, the priorities of the kingdom, the entrusted of the responsibilities so that, so that the manifestation of God's reality is not Santa Claus. It's not jingle bells. But that you take seriously grooming your spirit and growing and maturing. And so there it is as we see the gospel of Jesus Christ and a righteousness not of our own. There's, there's an expression of who God is that's emotional. I didn't understand what the pastor told me. That's emotional. And then religious. That, that you're doing things but they're not connected to God. God hasn't told you to do them. You're not prepared to do them. That's not where you're at. Job 29, 11, he says, Let the ear that hears my words and the eyes that see my life are able to say, Blessed be the Lord. Let, let, let my life, he says, When the ear heard what I spoke, and, I, and you know something? I'm going to be really honest with a lot of you. Those of you that are really close to me know this. I cannot stand conversation that doesn't have serious substance. <coughs> You'll notice me tune out. When people start talking garbage and foolishness, I'll just go, I'll grab my Bible, I'll start reading. People say, man, he's rude. No, it's just, it, it gives me a stomach ache when I see people Engaging in foolishness. Talking about things that don't matter. Making priorities of things that are, don't have priority. So there he is. When people heard me speak, and when uh, it says the ear that heard, then it blessed me. And the eye that saw, he says, he approved me. When we speak, we're not talking garbage. And when people look at our lives, 
they're saying that's the real thing. That, that is real, real, real God. That's, that's, that, that's not fluff. And so he says in verse 12, why? Because I was attentive to the need of the poor. When, the, when, when somebody was in need, I was there. When the fatherless needed somebody, I was there. The one who had no one to help, that was my priority. This is, this is what Christ represents. This, this is tangible, observable, not emotional. This is practical righteousness. This is what the church has been called to do. With what we know and what we've experienced to be in this town and not be able to take it to those who don't know and have not seen is, is order of judgment. It's order of huge responsibility. I told myself many years ago that I felt like a leper, leprosy, that got healed and knows that this is powerful, and I haven't taken it to those that are full of leprosy. And Miami is a leprosy colony. And a lot of people in Miami have not heard and do not know what you know and what I know. That Christ is real, and Christ heals, and Christ saves, and Christ delivers. And Christ died and rose again, and He's living forevermore. And Christ wants to reach lost man. And we are the only messengers of that truth. Yesterday I got an email from my friend Carlos and he says, and because his son passed away, committed suicide a year ago, somebody in Wisconsin wrote him and says, I'm doing a movie about depression because I lost my brother in September. He committed suicide. He left two sons and four brothers. And so he's writing Carlos and he says, because you lost your son and I lost my brother in September, I want you to help me with this movie. It's called, and he gave the name of the movie. And he sent a clip. And Carlos called me and says, Pastor, this guy is happening this, but I'm concerned because he doesn't add Christ to the answer. And the only thing that has saved me and my family and brought joy and peace back into our life after that loss has been Jesus Christ. I can't put out a movie out there, even though it's a great movie and it deals with a great cause. But if he doesn't put Jesus Christ as the answer, he's putting a, making a disservice to all the depressed and those that have those situations. And so he wrote him back. And he, he sent me the letter. He wrote him back. He says, For, I love the movie. I love your excellence. I love the film. I love the music. I love the documentary. But the only true hope that me and my wife and my children have found is in Jesus Christ. And if, if I'm only interested in participating with you in that cause is if you give the true source of all comfort, of all hope. And so that's you and I. So he says to deliver the poor, to look after the fatherless and who, them who had no help. Verse 13. To bless those that were, the blessing of the, a perishing man came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I took on the care and cause 
And, and again, I want to tie your spirit to the Word of God, to the house of God. To understand that coming to church, I had a man come last week, he says, I'm, I'm interested in joining your church because there's a couple churches in the area and, you know, we might want to go there for a couple hours on Sunday. I said, this is not your church. That church down the street is super good. This is not a good church for you. Because we're not thinking about coming two hours during the week. We're thinking about let's get on course with the call and the charge that God has committed to us in this responsibility. If you're not interested in becoming a servant and being perfected, and I assure you one thing, you will be severely rebuked in this house. Because that will prepare you to be an instrument in the hand of God. We don't need no more circus. We don't need no more foolish Christians that are thinking about their priority. They're thinking about how they feel and what they want because we have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live that Christ might live in us. Galatians 2.20, we could put it up there real quick. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Where is that in today's Christianity? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is why we're living in a warped time frame with Christians that put their cares and their priorities ahead of the righteousness of God. Job 29, 14, he says, I put on a righteousness because there is no righteousness of our own. It clothed me. I took on the concern. I took on the priority of God. I made his interest my interest. It was, that righteousness was like a robe and a turban. I wore it. And when I was able to wear it, then I became, verse 15, eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I began to, became to be an expression of what God has called us to be. To be a substance of Christ in this world. Verse 16, I was a father to the poor. The number one crisis of our generation is that there are no fathers. And those called to be fathers are spiritual orphans. They're not holding to obedience. They're not holding to accountability. They're not holding to submission. So they, if, you don't, if you can't have a, submit to authority, you never have authority. God has called you to be a father of nations, but you're not letting yourself be fathered. And when you don't let yourself be fathered, you make for a horrible husband. And all the women could say, amen, shout real loud. Come on. If you don't allow yourself to be fathered, you're a horrible husband. Why? Because you're full of selfishness, and now your wife has to become your mom. And she didn't marry you to be your mother. That's on another day. Let's continue. <laughs> Verse 16, I was a father to the poor. That's why this house has a strong fatherly anointing. We, God is using us in the nations. And he says, I searched out the case that I did not know. I was concerned about the things that I did, weren't obvious to me. I went farther than just saying, hi, how are you doing? Oh, let's go deep to where the issue is, the need is, and let's address it. Let's love on these broken hearts. Let's embrace them. Verse 17, I broke the fangs of the wicked. 
And it talks about like David when he was chasing the lion and the bear. And we, we do that too. Uh, we say that in this place, a wolf is a predator to the sheep. So we'll take you back into our dental lab and make sure that you don't have fangs. That you're not here to devour the sheep. Plucked out the victim from his teeth. People that, that were about to be swallowed by hell were plucked out. I want to finish because we have a second service, but I, I, I'm concerned, and, and this is the basis of my concern, that, that our spirits be groomed. You know, we, we wear this spirit in a casing of flesh so we could dress up real nice. We could adorn the house of God. But if God were to show us and reveal to us the spirits, it would be a sad day in this house. But that's who we truly, in essence, are. We're either pursuing the righteousness of God or we're living an ambivalent, that means a, a double standard life where we're saying one thing, but we're doing another. Where we say we're the church, we say we're Christians, but we're not, we're not participating at that level. Let's stand this morning. Let's ask the musicians to come forward. I, I tell you that the spiritual house that God is building in this place, it has to continue growing in that measure. We cannot conform to this world. We cannot take on a carnal mindset. Um, that's been my concern since day one when we started this church. We do not want to do you know, I've had a lot of people in, in, in church entity and, and those that study theology and those that practice, you know, all this economics of church building. I've purposefully not met to create in this house an external appearance that we are a prosperous church. Constantly gone to the root. Some of you don't know the word radical comes from a Latin word radic. And it means root. And you're not radical until your roots are really in Christ. You can't be radical. That's why your Christianity is it's, it's rooted maybe in church fellowship and, oh, I love these people and I've known them forever. That's fine. But when Christ comes, there's going to be a sheep nation and there's going to be a goat nation. And a goat nation has never walked in the righteousness of God, has never embraced what God wants them to embrace, and they're not going to deliver what God wants us to deliver. And they're going to hear what it says in Matthew 25, 41. These are the most disgusting words that you could ever be told. He says, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't want any one of us to be in that group. And it's going to require us to take root in the depth of our being. What a, what a wonderful Christmas message. How many are all jolly? I'm going straight into the heart of God to be able to extract from him the essence of what he's expecting on that day.
Father, thank you this morning for your love. In your presence, all flesh is laid bare. There is no covering. There's no appearance. There's no excuses. Christ died so that his death would become our righteousness. Our reality of radical followers of Christ. Rooted, deep, extracting the essence of your life in this season. Holy Spirit, come upon the hearts of your people. Convict. Expose that which is sinful. The wisdom of the flesh. The strength of carnal alliance. Let us be renewed through your fire. Through a new devotion to pursue excellence to, to pray more, to flee things that enslave and hold us captive, emotional, soulish ties that don't allow us to become martyrs for Christ, to die for Him who died for us. Thank you for a world-changing righteousness, expression, of your presence in this world, your light, to the lost, to the poor, to the needy. Make spring of life a wellspring to the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. And greet one another in the love of the Lord.